Good morning. Please bear with me. Please bear with me this morning. I didn't plan on getting on here, but nevertheless, not my will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God wants me to start off with a powerful testimony in the word by a man the name of Lazarus was ill to the point his sisters, his relatives, they thought he was dead. They thought he died. The culture back then, they give you a burial where they wash your body with fine oils and put you on great linen and, you know, anoint you with the best and allow your body to rest knowing that your spirit ascended on high. And Mary and Martha, very close. And they're like, where is Jesus? We told him he's never late. He's always around when we need him. He's our friend. We know our friend. This is not like him. Why did he do this to us, Mary? I don't know, Martha. Don't he care about Lazarus? What what can it, you know, took his attention? What did he get caught up in that he could not have gained? I don't know. Jesus comes, speeding the story up. The testimony up. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. So they were, you know, persuaded to think that their brother was dead. They see him as being unresponsive. There is no breath in you. You're still, you're dead. Your spirit ascended out of you. And the speed of the testimony a little further. Lazarus, come forward. Wait. He been there for days. He may stink now. They're probably wondering, why are you trying to do it now? You should have been there, Dad. He stink. But they don't smell a stench. Christ didn't say I'm coming to raise him. He said, no, he is not dead. That means he never died. His heart never stopped. His brain never stopped functioning. His organs never shut it down. He never departed his body. He's just sleeping. Lazarus, come forth. I'm up. I'm up. Come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And he comes forth. Now you vision that for an encounter. And imagine being Lazarus. How long have I been asleep? Four days. We thought you were dead. Dead. Y'all put these clothes on me. Y'all burned me. You were ill. You were unresponsive to us. We buried you. And in the word, 
you know, it testifies later on that day they went to Mary and Martha and them, Martha's in them home and they ate very well. They had a feast. And Lazarus at the table eating. Probably puzzled. <laughs> like, hold up. Y'all did what? Y'all buried me? How long I was asleep? Because he never slept that long before, obviously. He was never that still to the point. You look like you're dead. We don't see you breathing. Your chest not going up. And you don't have a pulse. But you wasn't dead. Christ said he is not dead. Because if he was dead, he would have came to raise him from the dead. No, he said he's not dead. He's sleeping dead. And we all know what it's like to go to sleep. They never see him sleep the way he would sleep before. You know, they got to pick you up and carry you and he's still not moving. Unclothe you and put perfume and oil. You're still not moving. We're singing songs and we're crying out to you. We're holding on to you, grabbing you. No, and you're still not moving. It takes faith. It takes faith. It takes faith to call things for them. Oh, God, Jesus Christ. It takes faith. Do you hear me? It takes faith. God didn't build to every single one of us the measure of hope, the measure of wishing, the measure of anything else but faith. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Christ came with faith. Lazarus, come forward. Faith called them forward. Faith called things that be not as though it were. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's just not manifesting yet naturally because we're calling from a kingdom. We're calling from supernatural. We're calling from God's reality. And we're releasing it in this reality. That's calling things that be not. It doesn't appear here yet as though it were. Now it is. And he's eating at the table like, wow, I've been asleep for how many days? They thought I was dead. Christ, you came and called me up. You understand? Even when it comes to Noah, 120 years building an ark that only had eight people inside and the rest animals. There was more animals than humanity in the ark. And it wasn't like Noah wasn't being used by God to tell them, come into the ark. No, that many people decided not to listen. Did not use their faith. Knowing that Noah is a man of God. But because they heard a word they never heard before, they didn't know how to receive it from the Lord. 
They didn't know how to see things that be not as though it were. They didn't know that faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. The storm is not here yet, but it's coming. You want to believe me or you're not? We're not going to believe you, Noah, because no one came on the ark. But him, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives, and the rest animals. So you have extended family, you have childhood friends, you have people you work with, Noah, people that you know serve God with, and they serve God and praise God just like you all up in the community, but they did not believe that fresh revelation from the Lord. Out of all those people around that town, around that land, only me and my wife and my kids were on the ship, on the ark. Are you kidding me? That's like me just in D.C. alone, the District of Columbia alone. Here comes, you know, just whatever. Here comes whatever. Ah, uh, we don't. And just me and my family receive. And everybody else just did not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When it comes to the fruits of the spirit, the reason why we're being challenged with it so much is because we look at the fruit as a personality and not a description as our identity. See, we try to feel love. No, we have to become that. We are in God's image. And the word is that God is. And he also feel who he is. Not what he is, who he is. See, it says God is love. It didn't say God so love. I got to get up, Father. Because when I'm talking, I feel. Because it's him talking through me. We have to be in love with love. We have to be in, when you are in love, you are committed. I'm committed. We are loyal. We always think about, we lighten up. We be cheerful. We be glad. We be faithful. Every fruit happens when we are in love with one another. There's peace when I'm in love with you. There is joy coming from the love. I'm so glad I have you. There's faithfulness. There's no cheating, no deception, no lying, no distrust. Trustworthy. I'm patient with you. I'm kind unto you. I'm generous. I'm gentle. I'm not rough. I'm not angry. I have self-control with you. I listen to what you have to say. Even if I don't agree, that's self-control. Even if you say things out of a mistake, I'm not going to blow off on you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you on the phone and say you should have did this in front of everybody. No, I have self-control. And God is sharing with us who we are by releasing who he is within us. We have to be in love with love. 
Because we cannot give what we do not have. If I don't have the love to be in love with the love, the love you with, then how can I release what I do not have? If I'm going back and forth with love, that's because I did not become that. I'm trying to feel that instead of becoming so it can come out and be released. Same thing goes for joy. Being in love with joy, spending time with joy. You have to treat it as a relationship because it's relational due to your citizenship. I can't cheat on joy by exercising the opposite of joy. I cannot go to weeping again when I'm in the morning regarding joy. In love with joy, hungry for joy, humble to joy, submissive unto joy. And that's why you are encountering it from me. That's why I'm overflowing. Because the more we spend time, there are no debts. There are no debts to the fruits of the Spirit. How much joy do you, how deep you want to go in joy? How deep you want to be in peace? Christ said to the storm, peace be still. He's not saying that peace can't move. He's identifying what's more important. He's not talking to the man because he's walking in doubt. So I'm talking to what's higher than doubt. I'm going to go to peace. It's not peace that's moving. It's us operating outside of peace. But Christ looking at the bigger picture. Peace, not him. Because peace don't doubt. Peace is what it is. So be still peace. So I'm putting Simon's attention back where it need to be. All peace. By addressing peace and not addressing Simon. Ooh, you understand, Peter. We can't give what we don't have. Joy, being in love with joy, being in love with patience, being in love with peace. When you and I are in love with peace, we cannot give the opposite because we're filled with peace. We cannot be filled with peace and filled with chaos. No, we're filled with peace. It's either peace or chaos. So my attention is on peace. I'm in love with peace. I'm hungry for peace. I'm open for peace. I'm open for joy. I'm in love for joy. My ear gets tuned into joy. Joy is goozing out of me. Love is goozing out of me. Patience is goozing out of me. Therefore, we don't run from, we run to. Mm-hmm. Kindness. In love with kindness. Embracing kindness. Mine is on kindness. Mine is all up on kindness. Thoughts on kindness. Ways are upon kindness. Embracing kindness. Singing songs about kindness. Doing a dance with kindness. Using faith regarding kindness. Kindness, kindness, kindness. Embracing kindness. Becoming an open invitation for kindness. Kindness, I love you. What do we do when we are in love? We call a person up. Hey, I miss you. Or, hey, I love you. I want to see you. I want more of you. Hello, love. I want more of you. Hello, patience. I want more of you. I'm enjoying you. Thank you, joy. Thank you, patience. Thank you, kindness. Thank you, generosity. Thank you, gentleness. 
in love with faithfulness. There goes inconsistency would have to leave. When we begin to be in love and not try to feel generosity, but become and the virtuosity of overflow. God is showing us by sharing with us how to be self-discovery. See, we try to feel and the feeling goes and comes because our mind, you understand, changes all the time. Our thoughts change. It doesn't mean it's bad. It could be, I just don't like to eat this anymore. I don't like to go right there anymore. I like to go right here now. You understand? It doesn't matter where we go. When we in love with peace, it goes with us. You understand? It don't matter what the atmosphere is like. Oh, you have peace. Ooh, God, every time I say these words, because I see them on a different level. Let me tell you how powerful, how powerful the Lamb's Book of Life is. It's already set for a date and time. 9.36 today, which is the 26th of July. It's already documented for you to hear this the way it's to be heard. It wasn't for yesterday. It's not for tomorrow. It's for today. So everything that you are walking in, it's already dated. You understand? Now, with you regarding us to determine where the dates are, determines our level of hunger to manifest the dates upon our lives. You understand? How hungry are you for manifestation? So be in tune for your right now manifestation. Being in love with self-control. We can never lose sight of control. You understand? Ever again. And you know when we begin to be aware to become the fruits, there goes the gifts of the Spirit. Because we are the fruits of the Spirit. There goes the working of miracles. It's going to take peace to release miracles. It's going to take self-control to release miracles. Because some people are going to say things that cause us to lose control. But God is in control. That's why we have self-control. So now he's taking control over the situation. I'm up, Father. Come on. Come on. Come on. God said, go back. Sit down. Oh, my goodness. My God, it's too much. God. Oh, God. Jesus. Do you understand? Please stay with me. I said stay with me today, please. Please bear with me today. When he says sharpen it, need to add so is that sharp and yet so sweet. It's so amazing. God used Holy Spirit to be described as a form of a dove and yet the fire is so powerful. But it comes in a form of a dove. A dove is elegant. You know, very, you know, gentle. Very gentle, romantic birds. They're just so loving, kind. Just so, you know, every fruit of the spirit. And then yet, look what it does. Jesus. Being in love. And there goes the fruits of the spirit. You know, coincide with the gifts of the spirit. Every time we become love, there goes a miracle. Every time we become joy, there goes a miracle. There goes a sign. There goes a one. There goes the working of miracles. There goes healing when gentleness is present. We're gentle with our words so people can receive healing because they're going to feel that, okay, I need to get not coming at you harshly, want you to just be drilled, want you just to be cut in a way that it doesn't feel good. 
No, it works out for our good, and that is good. Hallelujah. I don't want you to say, ouch. I'm not going to say, you know, let me apologize to you now before I give you something. No. I used to feel that way as well, and God is correcting that. He's correcting us. And it feels good to be corrected because what? We are mature. Being in love with the fruits of the spirit, they can never escape. You're not going to walk away from the love of your life. You're not going to dismiss. You're not going to dismiss. You're not going to dishonor. I'm not going to dishonor love, joy, or peace as we become. And we're becoming to release. That's how we saturate the atmosphere because we're not feeling or waiting to feel. Waiting to have someone to have us to feel. I need you guys to sing so I can feel. I'm walking up in here so I can feel. I need to feel an encounter. No, you are the encounter. Mm-hmm. You walking in with the attributes of God because you are the attributes of God. Jesus. Do you know God is his own attributes? He's only moved by the words that he says. So what are the attributes of God? The word. The word described in a form of fruit. Those are the characteristics of God. The attributes of God, the virtuosity of God go hand in hand. There goes the might of God. There goes the glory of God. There goes the mercy of God. There goes the grace and the glory of God. The strength of God. That's the virtuosity of God. God's characteristics are fruit. The power of God because of the fruit. The might of God because of the fruit. So when I become the fruit, I become the grace of God. I become the favor of God. I become like God. In the image of God. In the likeness of God. His glory is not just felt, it's also to become. Because we are the living word. And he's glorified due to what? The word. So we are the glory of God. We are becoming who we are. The attributes of God is not just an expression to feel. It's to become. Now I became, now everything about me is. Now I can release what I have. I can't release peace if I'm only feeling peace because I may not feel peaceful later on. Don't we know that? I can go in traffic right now and there goes anger. There goes a temper. What happened to your peace? Because I'm feeling it and not becoming it. I have to become. So when I become patient, I can never be anxious again because we can only be one or the other. And when you are in love, you're not going to go from being in love to dismiss your love. That's your first love. God. 
Who is God? God is joy. God is peace. God is our father because of the joy, because of the peace. God is our way maker because of the joy, because of the peace. God is faithful because of self-control, because of gentleness, because of faithfulness. God is our healer because of the power, because of the might of him. It all goes hand in hand. So we become, we become Christ-like. Hallelujah. There cannot ever be a one-night stand with joy. The reason why we're going in and out of joy because we're treating it as a trait, a personality trait, and not a description of our identity. You are the fire of God. That's why you always on fire. Fire is just not upon you. No, it's within you. Everything of God is within you. And it's released outwardly. So if I have all this joy in me and I step in the room, anything that doesn't have joy around me, it's going to be, you understand, overtaken by it. Because that's what it's sent to do. That's why Christ, when he went around, people touch and receive because they felt it. You understand? Leaving out of him, but not escaping him. It can never escape us. It's just being released outwardly. And that's what's called an overflow. No one can ever take your peace. You can't even handle your, you can't even hand peace over to anybody. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can exit out. And to exit out of peace, we already in, you understand, catastrophe. Chaos. We don't want that. So become in love with it. You have to be in love with joy. Be in love with patience. Be in love with kindness. It takes your attention where it needs to stay. The other day, God asked me to describe someone in a form of a dessert. And I said Napoleon ice cream. Because it's three different flavors and you just cannot get strawberry, you just cannot get chocolate or vanilla. You get all of them. And sometimes we mix it all in one. And God said, I'm going to use that as an illustration. Because you answered each question, you know, carefully. You didn't answer quickly. Because you as a three-part being is like Napoleon ice cream. Your spirit, man, to give it a description, if you want a description... If I was to draw it, it would be on the left side because we at the right hand of God. So that means that our spirit talks to God on the left if we're on his right. So those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. He's not going to skip the body, skip the spirit and reach all the way over to the spirit. No, the spirit is right here. So it's to the left while I'm sitting down. And in the middle are my, are your will, mind, and emotions. Our soul is in the middle. And on the right, if you want to give it a description, like God is using me to say, our, you understand, body is on the right side. It's further away from God. The closer to God is our spirit, because those who worship, you understand, must be what? Only in spirit. So the warfare comes from 
flesh, and spirit. And what is in the middle of each? Our will, mind, and emotions. So we're going back and forth regarding what side we're going to allow to overrule. Is it the left or the right? Is it the soul or is it the spirit? What am I going to listen to? Which one am I going to walk in next? Which one going to take control over my thoughts? And sometimes it be the body on the right. Yeah, I want to think like this. This feels good. I want to talk like this. Yeah, I want to go around and act like this. Yeah, I want to do these things. I want to say these things. I got to get these things off my chest. And the spirit man is speaking to the flesh. No, I mean, speaking to the, the soul. No, no, no. The spirit is speaking to the mind with emotions. No, no, no. Holy Spirit is also speaking. No, because it's speaking to our spirits to speak to our soul. No, don't, don't. How many times we hear, no, don't do. No, I'm going to do. And sometimes we erase that text that we really wanted to send. And then we go back and forth and say, no, I'm going to send it anyway. Well, how about if I send it, you know, indirect, but I'm getting my point across. I'm going to get it across in a way that seems more nice and I really want to send. Send. I send it. And then the response come back negative, much more than how we try to be discreet to send it. Then there it goes. There it goes. So when we become what we're trying to feel, the body is like finally. The soul is like finally, because the body is just like a kid coming out of our womb who don't have any discipline. The gifts of the spirit is not for the body, it's for the spirit. That's why they call the gifts of the spirit, because they are for the spirit, not for the body. Why? Because the body has no rule over the spirit. Our bodies don't ascend to the kingdom, our spirits do. Our bodies wither away. So who are you to even try to tell me? We don't even know what to do. That's like a child, you know, your child, a little infant baby, trying to tell you how to be a parent when they just came from out of you. What? That's how the body tries to act with the spirit man. The spirit man, oh, the spirit man is what's before the foundation. The spirit man's before we were shaped and formed. Okay, there goes the body. That's the shape. That's the form. In our mother's womb. To come out as a child. As a three-part being. Like Christ had to come for us. As a child. In the what? Flesh. So when we become the fruit. And not try to feel Everything become one and the warfare is over. Until we become the fruit, it's going to always be a warfare with the body and the spirit. But once we become, then there goes the body saying, finally, now I have to submit. The soul is saying, good, no more rumbling inside. Now I know what side to choose. And the spirit is saying, finally, now I overrule. You understand? And that's us being completed in God. By being like God. If we're not like God, we're not completed within. Now, what he has done has been completed 
but regarding us and demonstrating what he has already done, it's up to us to show forth that or not. So I'm saying to you, the body is begging for us to become the fruits of the spirit and not just feel because we can feel differently. Don't we change our minds all the time? We have a change of heart as well. How many things we used to enjoy, we don't. I used to wear makeup galore. And I mean, I realized, oh, it was bright, especially the eyeshadow. I used to wear like four, five different, you know, shades of eyeshadow, but it matched every color I had on. People used to always say to me, how long did it take you to do that? <laughs> it only took me not even two minutes. For real? God, like you've been in the mirror forever. No, no. But I realized, I mean, nothing wrong with it, but I just don't want all that now. <laughs> I don't want all that right now. <laughs> I used to change my hair like every week or every two weeks. It's the longest I ever had braids. They about to lock in on this plane. <laughs> nah, I'm not going like that. <laughs> you understand? It's like, I'm chilling. <laughs> I used to be doing my hair so much like dawn. People didn't even know who I was. They sit right behind me and don't even know it's me. That was you? Oh, change your hair up so much. Who are you today? Abby said to me, who are you today? <laughs> you understand? Nothing wrong with changing your hair up now. I just was like, you know what? I'm ready for a new do. Yeah. <laughs> like now, I'm ready for a new do. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Glory be unto God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Becoming the fruits of the spirit. You don't look at anything the same ever again. Because when we are feeling it and looking forward to feel it, we're not waiting to encounter it. We are becoming it. That's why many of us run to people. I need a word to feel peaceful. I need a word. I, I'm look, look. I'm 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 angry. I need some joy. You have to become joy for joy to remain. If we just feel in joy, it can leave. Christ said, peace, be still. That may become that. It can only be still when we become it. When it came to, you know, Peter... You don't, you don't just watch me walk on water. Peter, you can walk too. Come on. Keep looking at me, Peter. Keep looking at me. Don't look down, Peter. Don't look down. Look at me. Look at love. Look at joy. Look at peace. Become joy. Become peace. See, faith. Faith produces all the fruit. That's why he dealt to us the measure of it. Faith brings forth the love. How can I love a God I never physically seen? But my faith causes me to know that he do appear. Because I'm the evidence. You understand? The fruits have us to respond to the spiritual world that we are from. And living while we are here.
See, Jonah had to become the fruits in order to be released from the belly of that well. It took him three days and three nights to realize I could become and not try to feel. Because me trying to feel self-control, I lost self-control. Because who am I to tell God where I'm going to go? See, Moses had to become patient and not try to feel patient. Because when you try to feel it, it can come and go. Because people could be in your ear. My ear could cause us to change our minds. Our minds are renewed when we become. Everything is how God would to be when we become. Moses allowed all that loud noise to cause him not to enter into where he had to lead them to. And look how easy it is to speak to it. Just like us. Look how easy it is to just speak peace and become what we're speaking. Speak peace into an existence. We want to feel peace like he wanted to strike the rock. And you know why God said that to Moses? Let me tell you. Because God told me why he said it to Moses. Moses kept coming to God like, you know, correcting God. Because God kept saying, you know what? I'm about to destroy them. They just keep, you know, playing with his emotions. God is a jealous God. They kept making idols. They kept complaining. That's all they did was complain. To the point Moses be like, you know what? These are your people. Well, I'll lead them by cloud by day and fire by night. Well, I'm not going nowhere without your glory. You lead them, Moses. No. You lead. I'm not going nowhere without the glory. I'm going to destroy them. No. These are your children, God. You don't do this. See the difference between God's encounter with Abraham and God's encounter with Moses. God said to Abraham, I'm about to destroy Solomon Gomorrah. And Abraham said, wait, to destroy the righteous with the wicked? That's not something God would do. If you find 55, would you spare? Yes. If you find 45, yes. If you find 40, yes. 30, yes. 20, yes. 10, yes. See, God spared the wicked because of the righteous. But when we go all the way up to Noah's testimony, God took the righteous away from the wicked and spared them that way and destroyed the wicked regarding the ark. See, Abraham said, it's not something God would do. And he stayed with that. See, Moses was going back and forth with that. He was getting upset with them. You are such rebellious people. You guys are so ungrateful. Look how much he kept getting angry. He stroked the rock. He walked off on them. And then there was a time when he dropped the Ten Commandments. He had to go back up and get another set. He allowed them to get under his skin. And he was the main one telling God not to allow them to get under you in that way. Don't allow them to, you know, cause you to destroy them, God. That's not something. See, he was ministering to God. And it's not like God didn't know, but God was counseling him. Because God counsels us for us to become more disciplined, for us to become more quicker, more sharpened. Like God will have you to ask him for what he want to do for you. Because some things come with what? An invitation. 
I want access to do it. So I have to have you to ask me so I can have access. He didn't have access to me to leave that life that I was living. I had to ask Christ, am I making a mistake? Yes. See, there goes access. So now I'm ready for correction by me asking. You understand? And God kept saying things to Moses just to get a response out of Moses, to remind Moses of his, you know, his calling. And Moses just kept going back and forth. This not what you would do, God. This not, you can't let them get to you, God. And what did Moses do? So God, when he, the last strike was the last strike. He stroked the what? I mean, stroked the rock. And God was like, you will not enter in because you just became a hypocrite. You just became, you just became lip service. You sat there and told me not to do, not to do, not to do. And yet you did the same thing you told me not to do, Moses. You told me not to, you understand, go against what I'm about to do for them. Well, you just went against what I told you to do for them. Ooh. Hallelujah. God has given me more detail as to the testimonies that we read in the word. He's taking me on a journey to give more and to give me more to me, releasing more to you. There's more to Ruth and Naomi. You all realize they had a connection with Orpah. That's, you know, Naomi's daughter-in-law. Even though her son, you know, went home, she's still a widow. You still related. But Orpah went home. You're right. There's no food here. Nothing for me. I'm going to go home. Naomi, no, I'm not. I mean, Ruth, no, I'm not going nowhere. I'm staying with you. And there goes Boaz. But Boaz had connections. God never intended for Oprah, excuse me, Orpah, not Oprah, but Orpah to go home. Because when you leave, you cleave. So why are you going back when you have cleaved? You're not just cleaving to the man. You're cleaving to the family. You're cleaving. You're becoming one with their family, with them. Everything about them. Everything connected to them. You cleave to that. A man leaves his home and he cleaves. It doesn't mean that he leaves his mother and father's house per se. Because some men on their own. No, you leave from your mother and father in such a way. And you cleave and start your own family. That's why it's so important to raise a child in the way they should go. So now I was raised in the way I should go. Now when it's time for me to leave, I know how to cleave. There's no going back. There's no going back. We have to seek God first. What do you want me to do? And Ruth was like, I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> Orpah went back home and missed her blessing, but there's more to it. They stayed in touch. What's going on with you guys? You know, they go and visit. Orpah didn't know where they ended up. They went, you know, they know where Orpah from because she had to leave her home to go marry her son. It became sisters-in-laws with, you know, Ruth. <laughs> Stay with me. Thank you. It's more to that. They went back and saying, they went back and saying, Orpah, 
Girl, we done hit big. Oh, God. <laughs> God has blessed us well. It's not about a person. It's about God. He said the land flow with milk and honey. We hit big in this land. Girl, we are prosperous. They want to think about what, you know, what's his name? Boaz can do. They know it came from God. Did you know how Ruth had to feel? Hold on, my mother-in-law trying to hook me up with a man. I feel uncomfortable because I was married to her son, so it got to be okay. Is she okay with it? He goes, this is her son I was married to. You know, you got to look at it like that. It's so much more. See, God is still the same as he then, now, and forevermore. See God in everything then, now, and evermore. Hallelujah. Seriously. She came, they came to her. She didn't know where they was. They was wandering around town. She seen them like, hold up, in their best days. Wait a second. And there's more. Now, I don't, I'm not aware if she left her home and went back with them again. Like, hold up, hook me up. Or she just was like, you know, I'm happy for you two. I'm glad. Hallelujah. Knowing Naomi's personality as a reader, she probably said, I got somebody for you too. Jesus. Boaz, what's your uh, partner's name? Jesus. Come on, somebody. And it's not them. It's God using her. And, and blessing them to bless them. God will have a woman and man to bless you. You understand? God bless you through them. We can't keep looking at each other. Oh, what you have? What you do? No, allow God to bless me to bless you. Prosper me to prosper. You better stand up on that. Jesus. When it come to me, when it come to you, see yourself as that. You don't need to marry nobody because of what they have. No, you have God. God is gracing me to grace. You know, come on, Father. I feel like my spiritual mom. <laughs> God is gracing me to grace you. God said you have the mantle. Thank you. God has graced me to grace you. Favoring me to favor you. Come on now. I have more than enough grace. For you, 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 Jesus. What was it? First Thessalonians. Was it three ten? I will find favor amongst you, and I will bless you, bless your coast, bless your children, bless everything about you that you will lend to many nations and not borrow. You understand? Hallelujah. There's more to every testimony. Do you know that God allows Satan to take everything from Job except his wife? The kids were God, the cattle was God, the money, the health was even God, the land, the property was God. That man was out, he was homeless, but not homeless, you know what I mean? Went from, you know, palace to you understand poverty. And there goes God using that very same thing that Satan came with. And I'm going to use this poverty to have him back into a palace. But bigger than ever before. See, Satan didn't want 
his wife because his wife was already a negative influence. Curse God and die. Hurry up already. You making me look bad, Joe. I don't want to kiss you. You got scales all over the place. And God blessed him with a younger wife. Why? Because he was much older and his wife giving him more children. Younger, wiser. Here's another, you know, discovery when it comes to the story of Jacob and Esau. Now, Jacob knew that he was wrong for that. And Rebecca knew she was wrong for it too. Because she showed favoritism. And God gives us a description on how not to show favoritism. Because it's not about what you can do. It's about where your heart is. When it comes to Cain and Abel. Because Cain just knew that God was going to accept this. Before he accepted Abel. But Abel had his heart in it. And Rebecca lost sight of that. As a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, I see favor in Jacob. Jacob is the nice one. Jacob, the one who listens. Esau gets into trouble a lot. So I don't want him to receive the blessing. And Isaac was saying, no, it has to be according to tradition. I have to anoint the eldest one. And when his eyes grew dim, Rebecca and Jacob plotted against Esau and Isaac. Wait a second. So she had Jacob to put some sheep skin and hair on his arms because Esau apparently was more hairier. Even though Jacob said to Esau, give me your birthright just for some food. But still, regarding to the culture, you can't take my birthright. I'm the oldest. I don't care if it's by a couple of seconds. I'm the eldest son. That's our law. That's our that's our culture. You can't break culture. So they plotted, and you know the testimony. And they, you know, deceived Isaac well, and he blessed Jacob. And Jacob had to be on the run because Esau was out to kill his twin brother. And here is, you know, a mystery that Jacob. You know, change and a great man of God, but some things about us don't change. We didn't allow to change because he still was the same way, apparently, because he tried to do the same thing he did with his brother to Joseph and his sons. He tried to anoint the youngest son. He had two twin boys, Ephraim and Manasseh. That was the next set of twins from Jacob and Esau. All the way down from 12 other children. Now 11 other children because Benjamin is the youngest. You know, we have Dan, we have Reuben, we have Simeon, we have Levi, we have Judah, we have Natalie, Gad, Asher, Zebulon, Joseph, Dina, the only girl, and Benjamin. So years went down. There goes Joseph and his two set of twins. Oh, then there goes Jacob and the way he used to think. See, the way he used to think. Didn't become the fruits of the spirit, but feeling it. Because he walked with God and it's not behavior based. Even though he's in the old covenant because he misbehaved plenty of times and still had the anointing of grace. Because God favored him to bring him back to his son again. For such a time as this. And to speed you up a little bit. He tried to do the same thing with Joseph's sons. Let me see your youngest son. 
And he said, uh-uh, you have to anoint the eldest son, dad. And he tried to grab the youngest son's hand anyway. And Joseph pushed Jacob's hand away. No, you're going to anoint my eldest son. And I'm sure that, you know, I'm not so sure, but I'm really strongly believing that Jacob didn't tell his sons that story. Because many of us don't like to tell the things that we done wrong. And even if he did, that could definitely be a reason why Joseph said, oh, you're not going to do with me what you've done to your brother. You're not going to do to my kids. You're going to anoint my eldest son. He tried to do the same thing. And I'm going to tell you how things come back on us. The way how Jacob, you know, went against his brother and his mother went against his brother and the father as well. It came back on Jacob because there goes Laban and there goes Rachel and Leah. I want Rachel. Okay. But Leah goes to the father. I want I want him for myself. Okay. Well, you pretend you're Rachel. Go lie down with him. See, they plotted against him like him and his mother plotted against his brother and father. Come on. <laughs> it came back on him. God said, what you do, it comes back. But when we repent, we no longer held accountable so it doesn't come back. That's why it's so important to repent for our wicked ways. So it won't come back. And how do you know it don't come back? Because God remembers no more. That means we no longer held accountable for it to come back in return that we ditched out. Now we can move on from our mistake. We no longer held accountable for it when we repent. So Jacob must did not repent for what he had done because it came back. God remembered it. See, he didn't position God to remember no more because he must didn't repent. See how important repentance is? That's why God Excuse me, Christ said, Father, forgive them. That's why Stephen, when he's about to be stoned, Father, forgive them. Peter, doing his execution upside down. He said, I don't want to be executioned like Christ was, crucified like Christ was. I'm not worthy of that crucifixion. So crucify me, you understand, upside down. <laughs> forgive them. Even Christ said it when John was beheaded. Forgive them. And all he was doing, telling the truth. She got mad because she shouldn't have been sleeping with her family member. I want his head on a plate. Call me a slut. He didn't call you a slut. You called yourself a slut. And he still forgive them. Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on. For they know now what they do. So we are positioned to look up to God no matter what's going on around you. There are some people that you have to call out. I have to go to another episode. There are some people that you have to call. I have to call out by name. Call them out by name. Father, forgive them. Got to release them so it won't come back on them. Forgive them. It came back on Jacob. Now her and her father plotted on you like you and your mother plotted on your brother. See? How long I got to work for you to have her? Seven more years. 14 years to receive the one who you really wanted. Because you didn't ask God to forgive you for what you've done to your brother and your mother and father. Father, forgive them. Call people out by name. Forgive them. And Father, forgive me. 
for the part that I play. Because sometimes we entertain it. It don't matter if it's wrong coming up against us. We don't have to act wrong with it. We don't have to talk about it too. We don't have to tell people what we're not going to do. Just don't do it. Because many want to know why you're not doing it. Oh, because of this and this and this. No, just don't do it then. Father, forgive them. There were several times that Christ was speaking himself and not hearing God say, say things. Now, he always hear from God. But here are some examples in the word that Christ speaks. Excuse me. Christ was speaking as he spoke without saying what God was telling him to say. Father, now is the time to glorify thy son. You haven't been betrayed yet. You're trying to rush it. For the hour has come. I didn't tell you that, Jesus. That's the flesh talking. He didn't walk in the flesh, but that's his, that's his emotions, his soul. He never had that before. <laughs> Apparently, it wasn't pleasing. Like, according to Isaiah 53, came unappealing. He knew pain firsthand. It didn't feel good to carry pain. I'm not talking about physical pain. I'm talking about emotional pain. Oh, my gosh. This is what rejection feels like. Whew. That's why he said, before you felt anything, I felt first. And still say, Father, forgive them. There was another time Christ was speaking. If this cup pass over me, nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done, Father. Another time Christ was speaking. When they walked off on him, he looked at the disciples. Do you wish to leave too? Another time, it was just Christ talking. When he said, I will be betrayed. And there goes Peter. I can never, I can never, I can never, Peter. After the crow cock, you're going to deny me three times. See, he called him out. God don't ever call us out. He don't ever say, Quinesha, you're going to stop going to church in two years. Quinesha, or calling you out. Well, you're going to, you understand, tell lies again. Yeah, you say you're going to stop doing this, but you're going to do it in two more minutes. God don't ever say that. And Christ did. You understand? And I'm going to tell you why. Because he's showing us how to stir ourselves up as a three-pot being. Because he is what? An example. So I have to give you some examples to live by. I have to show you opportunities that can come in different ways on how you're going to need to stir yourself up. So I have to be positioned to stir myself up so you can know how to stir yourself up. Because a lot of things don't just come by words. It come by deeds. I have to show you. Okay, here's my nevertheless when you feel like nevertheless. 
Now I'm giving you an answer. Not my will, thy will. Not my will, Father, thy will. Not what I want, not my dreams, not my goals, Father, thy will. I come against the spirit of pride. I come against pride. God said, just call that out. I call out pride. I call out favoritism. I call out anyone who's been bothered or challenged with favoritism and pride. Many people feel like they're overlooked on a job because of favoritism, overlooked in a family, overlooked in a community because of favoritism. And connected to favoritism is pride. Some don't even feel that they're being acknowledged because they are not being acknowledged because they see others be acknowledged. The same people be acknowledged on a job in the home and ministry be acknowledged all the time. And many want to be acknowledged. It's not about being seen or hurt. It's about knowing you are part of and knowing that people recognize that you also are important on a job at home in a family or even in a marriage. It's not me just giving you, me just buying for you, me just pampering me. I mean, you, me doing things. What, you know, what about me? I'm telling you how I feel about you. What about how you feel about me? We cannot show favoritism. I let you call out, but everybody else can't. I go to lunch with you as a supervisor, but I don't go with everybody else. I keep calling you to do things in ministry, but not anybody else. I acknowledge you whenever I see you, but not anybody else. No one should feel like, okay, I'm not important to them then. Ooh. In the community, you say hi to the other neighbors, but not me. You knock on everybody else's door, but not mine. Thank you for a reminder. I have a meeting tonight. Ooh. I, I just got a message. I forgot, I forgot. It's all good. You understand? It don't matter what Satan is trying to form. We're looking at what's being formed and not focus on it shall not prosper. That's why we have to become the fruits and not try to feel the fruits. We're looking at what's on every side. We're looking at the bad before we even see the good, basically. Whenever something's happening, I got to look and see, you know, what's the motive before I even know that my reward connected to it. Don't even see the reward. I'm looking at the negativity. Don't even feel the peace. I'm looking at the calamity. That's being negative. That's being negative. We can't be negative. Hallelujah. Let me tell you how intentional God is. God said use a lot of, you know, biblical theology. No problemo. Hallelujah. Hare <laughs> hak. How is it? I forgot that one. Zo'ahok. Ah, Zohar, Asoti, Zohar, Asoti, yeah, Zohar, I mean, Zohar, Asoti, Ahok, Asoti, Hallelujah, 
my Hebrew is just like, you understand? My Hebrew is like, uh, but I can speak, you know, Latin. <laughs> I can speak that fluently. You understand? I know a little Arabic. I knew that from a student I had who didn't know any English. So he taught me Arabic and I taught him English. <laughs> Hallelujah. And honestly, um, I just thank God for everything. God said, give you another thank you. I ain't know where I left off. I'm like, honestly, honestly, uh, what? <laughs> Here's another, you know, testimony. God is that intentional. You know, there was a mission trip that Barnabas and Apostle Paul and John Mark was on. And the reason why they say John Mark, not to confuse us with, you understand, the other John. Like there are so many Simons in the word of God. There are many Johns in the word of God and God didn't want to confuse us. So he said, John Mark. So they call Mark, you know, John for short as well. That's his nickname, John, but his name is Mark. You understand? And just to break it down, when it comes to the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know what's so amazing? Matthew, original disciple, Mark is not. You understand? John is. Luke is not. So it's every other in the in that, you know, them four first books of the New Testament that's describing the life of Christ. You know, Luke was not an original 12, neither was Mark, but John and Matthew was. And the reason why, you know, King James, you know, used John, Mark, which is Mark, and used Luke to have as a book of the Bible without being original 12 to even tell the story because they were, weren't were there to see because they had a lot of theology from Apostle Paul. They are friends of Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul learned from Peter, you understand? So they use Paul's companions to give, you understand, a word from the Lord as well, which is Mark and which is also, you understand, Luke. But they don't just say Mark. You never just see the name Mark in the Bible. You see John Mark. But they say John Mark because they don't want to confuse us with the other John. They say John the beloved, you know, John the theologian, John the revelator, John the one that's compassionate, the one who Jesus loved. You understand? They want to confuse us and say Matthew, John, Luke, and John. You understand what made sense? You understand? Like, okay, so I'm confused. You understand? So he put John Mark, not to confuse us. Like if there's two Quenishas, we're going to say Quenisha beloved, and then there goes the other Quenisha, so you know the difference. Hallelujah. So regarding, you know, the mission trip, John Mark, you know, bold, but they were on a mission where he was afraid one time. And they really needed John Mark on that trip, you know, Apostle Paul and Barnabas. And John Mark stayed behind in the room. He didn't come out of the room. He stayed and left them hanging. So in order for Apostle Paul to feel some type of way, they must really need a John Mark. And he didn't come because he was afraid. So they were going back and forth, but it's not in the way that they were arguing because men of God don't argue. What it was, they were just having a discussion, you know, a disagreement because 
Barnabas is a huge fan of John Mark. And Paul is too. But Paul was like, I'm not taking him on the next mission trip because he ditched out on us, Barnabas. And you know he did. And John Mark's standing right there where they going back and forth. And Barnabas is like, you know what? I like John Mark. He's going to do better next time. Just give him a chance. And John Mark looking like, yeah, give me a chance. And Apostle Paul like, no, you ditched down on us, man. We needed you, man. You gotta, you can't be ashamed of persecution. You can't be afraid of rejection. If you're in the gospel as a disciple, then you have to be a disciple unto Christ. And so they disagree. So, you know, they couldn't agree. So, you know, Barnabas say, I take John Mark and I'm going to give you Silas. See, that's, I'm going to tell you how intentional God is. I'm going to slow it down. I'm excited. Let me tell you how intentional God is. God had that set up all along that happened that way because God knew the next mission trip was going to be much more than the last. So if you ditched out the last time, John Mark, you're going to ditch out this time. And there goes the testimony of Paul and Silas. That's how it became Paul and Silas because they had to choose between, you understand, who going to take John Mark? I'm not taking him, Paul said. You got, I, I, I mean, hey, I go alone. No, we have to go in Sassatoos. So I'm going to give you a man named Silas. And look what happened. They were beaten. I can see John Mark now. The last mission trip, they weren't beaten. They were just rejected very bad. We don't want to hear that boo, boo, boo. But they were beaten this time. And they were thrown in jail. John Mark would have ran. If he ran the last time, he wasn't built for that type of mission. And Paul was trying to say that. He was being led by God to say that. And there goes God being that intentional. I'm going to give you, you know, solace. And so when they were beaten, you know, and chained down under the jail, pretty much. There goes praise and worship. John Mark probably would have been crying. He probably wouldn't even have been in jail. He probably would have escaped the, the punishment. Because he, he didn't even come out the room to, to even give a word from God. That's like you sing, I preach, you pray. And I don't show up to get no words. So y'all like, okay, we just going to pray. We just going, you know, we going to pray and sing. Where's Cornisha? Where's she at with this word? She never even came out the room. And you could grow upset, especially if they booing you. You like, you know what? If you had been here, so much couldn't have taken place. But you didn't come. And look what happened with Paul and Silas. The shackles were loose off of all the inmates. It wasn't just Paul and Silas. Because here goes the testimony. The guard said he was scared. Like looking to see if they go and escape and try to, you know, Bamboo, not bamboozle, but um, stampede him. You understand, Russia. And Paul stood up. No, we are all here. He didn't say just being the one you beat up in jail. Damn, they were the only two that got that type of punishment in the prison. And yet, we the ones who spared you, and that's what caused him to give his life. Hallelujah, because you could have killed me, but you didn't. Let me. Hear about your God. I surrender. Just like Nebuchadnezzar. Your God spared you. I see four men. I only sent in three. Hebrew boys. Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. And I named them. What is it? I don't even say it so much. I don't even remember. What is it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who the fourth one? 
Another testimony, Christ, when he walked on water, there's two different descriptions of him walking on water. One say he, you know, he walked, what is it? 32, 25 to 23 furlongs. That's like two miles and a little bit over. You walked across the whole Sea of Galilee. That's why I say when he got into the boat, they were there. And another translation gives more of a description on how Peter walked out with him. And when he helped Peter, got in the boat, then they arrived. And when they got there, people were wondering, how did Christ end up with them? When Christ sent them on their way after he fed them all to the people and he began to release miracle signs and wonders and went up on the mountain to pray. He sent them on. They were gone. How he ended up with them? And no disciple said he walked on the water, y'all, and ended up on the boat with us. They didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. Christ had to ask him multiple times, who do you say that I am? Who are they saying I am to me? Well, who are they saying, to, you know, they're saying who I am. What are they saying to you? And who do you say I am to you? Okay, I heard what they think about me. Now I know what you think. They never told them. They never told them. They just never left them, but they never told them. Like, wow, you did this. Let me multiply some food too, Christ. So can I. They never did. They never talked like that. They were just that amazing. They didn't even see how I had somebody who's just, you know, they're going back and forth with not doubting because there's no proof to doubt, but you still need more proof to know that this is actually who we've been reading about. That's how they was. Now, we know that you have the proof, but it seemed too good to be true. So many of us need more convincing. You understand. You can tell they still wasn't convinced that he was who he said he was. Because he said to them, on the third day, I'll meet you in Galilee. On the third day, where are they? Still in Jerusalem. The angel had to tell them. Did he not say, I'll be in Jerusalem? And there goes them toiling all night with four fish. Smelling fish in the air from a man who on the shore, not even aware that man is Christ. Because in the word, it says that they wasn't far away from the shore. So they seen him. They smelled the food, but didn't know it was him. And it wasn't all the disciples there that ate with him who got off the boat. Because the rest of them probably left from toiling all night. I'm done. not getting no fish. And you know, Peter determined that's what he do for a living at the time. I'm a fisherman. I'm going to get some fish. Now I'm about to become a fisher of men. I'm not even aware. You understand? And there goes Christ right there. Have you caught anything? They still don't even know it's him until the miracle came to pass. And then Peter took off the fishing attire and jumped in the water and swam. Bring some of what you have. He bought the whole net. Peter, do you love me more than these fish? No, then feed my sheep. You are no longer a fisherman. You are a fisher of men. Now feed my sheep. You're no longer on a nine to five. Now you're a fisher of men all day long. Feed my sheep. Hallelujah. So amazing. Another testimony. A guy named Simon. 
and he was a musician, according to what, uh, Acts, Acts, according to Acts, the book of Acts, a lot of Acts and Acts. If you meditate on each book, it's self-explanatory, the name of the book, I'm trying to tell you. The book of Judges was nothing but Judges. You understand? And Acts, a lot of mighty Acts and Acts, a lot of mighty words, demonstration according to Acts. And there's a man who appeared to be a magician. He did a lot of magic shows. And he had skips and schemes with his tricks just to get paid. And he come across seeing how Apostle, you know, Peter and them were being a blessing. No, it wasn't Apostle Paul at the, you know, with them. It was other disciples that was there. And They were witnessing to a lot of people, a lot of people giving their lives to Christ. And they gave the word back to Peter. And then Peter said, okay, I'm on my way to see what y'all been doing unto the name of Christ. Peter gets there and he releasing the Holy Spirit as he's speaking. And the man, Simon, he began to remember Peter old name was Simon. He come across a Simon <laughs> and Peter releasing the Holy Spirit. And the man looking like, oh, I want that. How much does that cost? And Simon Peter, let me just say Peter, he, you know, was not too fond of that. You know, you know how somebody can say something about the word of God and we blow up. Don't you dare mess with God's anointing. He said, don't mess with his anointing. Do his prophets no harm. You better leave me alone or you going to be, you know, in trouble. You're going to receive every plague. You're going to be punished. He's going to punish you for hurting me. You understand? And that's how Peter was on this man named Simon. He just, he just asked. He didn't know. He never seen Holy Spirit before, especially how Holy Spirit moved. He saw people was just speaking in tongues and miracles were taking place when they received Holy Spirit. He was like, how much does that cost? Peter said, Repent right now. You don't know what you just said. Do you know what our God can do to you right now? You can die right now. Peter went, he just, we just, you know, he went to 1,000. And the man was like, well, I apologize. I didn't know. I said something wrong. And the way how Peter was talking, the man said to Peter, well, how about you go to your God and apologize for me? <laughs> Jesus. That's how scared the man got. Well, how about you apologize for me then so he can spare me? I didn't mean anything by it. Peter said, Holy Spirit is not to be mocked. <laughs> Don't play with Peter. <laughs> you know what's so amazing is that, God, you're giving a lot of theology today, <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> it's all good. This scripture, that quote, that scripture, that, it's all good. Just like I said, bear with me. <laughs> Peter denied Christ. And Christ told Peter beforehand, you're going to deny me. And obviously, Peter forgot. He forgot. Because if you remember when it came, you would know not to do what you don't want to do. And Peter forgot until it happened. The way how Christ said, oh my goodness, he told me I would do. See, he wasn't thinking about it. Because had they asked the first time, wait, Christ said, Christ said he did. Nope. 
it took them to say it three times. You understand? Peter rebuked Christ's resurrection and crucifixion before it happened, but he didn't try to, you understand, rebuke him saying, I'm going to deny you three times. He didn't say nothing. Now imagine still eating you understand that I'm aware of the Passover very well growing up. The day of an atonement, the feast of the unleavened bread, the day of the booth. Let me describe what it's like. The booth is nothing but getting branches and tree, you know, tree branches and leaves and hanging them from the ceiling of the church. We had day of an atonement. We had, you understand, feast of the unleavened bread. That made no, no bread, no yeast. Have to eat nothing but matzi. And matzi is just a huge cracker that's saltless in, you know, the, the size of a plate. And you have matzi sandwiches, matzi cereal, everything matzi, nothing with no yeast. A lot of cereal has yeast in it. The breading. Couldn't eat it. And then the Passover, my grandfather would go and get a lamb. He would go purchase a lamb from the same place every time. And as he just, you know, go before God, he would spend hours without eating. I mean, days and just days just praying, not doing nothing but praying on his knees in that same position before God for days. And he would lift up after he, you know, slaughter the lamb he would lift it up before God and sacrifice it then he began to skin it and you know burn it and sacrifice it again like the Passover and it's matzi lamb and greens and you have to prepare it without season because the season is in the word we are the salt of the earth do not lose your flavor so we release the season on the food without putting natural season. And trust me, it tastes like it has season in it, but it never did. But he has to marinate it in olive oil. Got to cook it in olive oil. The lamb, the, the uh, greens, and it's prepared the same way every year. Nothing changed. The same pots, the same style of doing it. You know, the prayer going before God. And we had the Passover and we sit and eat and feast. And then he wears all white. He takes off his robe. My grandfather, he pulls out the foot tub and he washes everybody's feet like Christ did. And what's left over from the food is so much. And what's left over, he has to burn it that night and sacrifice what's left unto God. We cannot make plates to take home. Cannot leave that place without, I mean, with it. It has to be burnt before the Lord again. And if you go against that, you will be punished. And to grow up with that, to grow up like that, you know, we grew up fasting. I fasted in my mother's womb. There was no exceptions for a pregnant woman. There's no exceptions for no infants either. You're going to not get that bottle or that jar of food until sundown because you are also a part of the blessing. Now, I'm going to tell you how this is. It don't matter if it was traditionally, religiously done. 
it was still a sacrifice that was holy and presentable. To raise a child in the way that we should go. You're going to learn how to fast young. Because you're going to come out the womb fasting. Because you're fasting inside the womb. And wonder why the grace is so heavy like that. Having access to God like that. I had to really take the pressure off because many were treating me like I was a golden child and I hated that. I wasn't taught how to use my gifts. I just gave them out as a kid. Hey, I had a dream that this happened, this happened. That's not going to happen. Two days later, guess what? This happened. And it kept happening. It was like, we honor something here. But many was like the disciples with Christ. We need more proof. Now, we never seen acts like this, but we just need more because we can't believe it's coming from you. That's how he's looking at Christ. From you? You can tell how they treated him. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Look at Nicodemus. Wasn't even walking with Christ. Here you go. Well, they say to me that you're not Christ because you're not raised in Bethlehem. And they said Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And that's why Christ said, you have all these scripts and scrolls, but have no knowledge. Yes, where was I born? In Bethlehem. Thank you. Just because I was born there don't mean that I'm not Messiah. It never said in the word that I'm going to be born and raised there. I was raised in Nazareth. Woo, Jesus. So they needed more proof regarding me. But they were like, my God. You seeing God? Yeah. Felt Holy Spirit very young. I got scared and I ran away. But you can't escape Holy Spirit. We're born these ways. We don't, you understand? We don't just uh, receive. No, we just receive fresh revelations regarding what's already inside. We're born with it. Now I'm learning my son's difference that I don't understand because it's greater than mine. So what I have to do, submit it to God. Submit it to God. God, what do you have me to do with this? I don't know. Only you can teach me how to raise this child. Just like Hannah with Samuel. Hear Eli. Hear God. There are angels walking in here with flags. Growing up like that, it really paved the way for who I'm aware of I am now. And I thank God that he's dismantling illegitimate authority. And he's ending the traditions that we don't have to live by. That our behavior, behavior. There's a journey much more in each testimony. Do you know how great Jonah felt when he seen how Nineveh, those in Nineveh began to repent? He thought they wasn't going to repent. That's why he said, I'm not going. He wasn't just saying because he was angry how they was doing. He thought they was, he, they, he thought, excuse me, they were wasting his time. They're not going to repent. They're too far in rebellion. They're not, they're too far being rebellious. 
They're not. And they did. They cried out. He was proven wrong. And was like, thank you, God, for using me. We may not be in no belly of a whale, but many of us has told God what we're not going to do by saying what we are going to do that he never said to do. And then get mad. He can't do that. Hallelujah. So back to the beginning of the episodes, we have to become the fruits and not just feel it. We have to become. And once we become, oof, what comes with that? Hallelujah. Greater is he who is in us, he is in the world. I love you.